Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with creative director, photo editor, and photographer Maureen Cavanaugh, who is the current creative director at the Players' Tribune. Previously, Maureen worked for Sports Illustrated for over 10 years as a deputy photo editor, covering much of baseball, as well as large photo essays, and much more. Beyond working as a photo editor as well as shooting, Maureen has volunteered her time to the Eddie Adams workshop as a producer helping young and emerging photographers. Maureen is someone who has a wealth of knowledge and experience in the photo business, so I was excited to hear about her journey. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, uh, Maureen Kavanaugh, uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I was excited to talk to you. One of our mutual friends, uh, Brad Mangin, had nothing but nice words to say about you. And he's like, you got to talk to Maureen. You got to talk to Maureen. So I'm glad, <laughs> glad I finally worked he's out. Like, he's like the mayor of sports photography. Everybody knows him. He knows everybody. He's always kind of pushing <laughs> everyone to be their best selves and connecting other people. He's amazing. Yeah, he's just, uh, he loves photography and baseball and sports so much. It's just like uh, contagious. So, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, and I know setting this up, uh, you had mentioned uh, the World Series just ended, but I think you mentioned you're kind of working on a little book right now for MLB. Uh, I was kind of curious if you could talk a little bit about that. Like, what's that all about and how'd that kind of come together? Yeah, you know, it's for a custom publishing company that does a lot of these, and it's basically a coffee table book um, using all of MLB's photos through Getty. Yeah. And, um, you know, a great series, Game 7. It was really exciting, and, you know, it's the best uh, teams in baseball, but it's also the best photographers shooting it. So it's been fun for me to edit through and look at Rob Tringali and Elsa and all these amazing photographers that are that are shooting it we got some really good stuff so i'm sort of in the middle of that right now and is that something you you do like every year for the world series or is this like a new thing for you you know it's not a new thing <laughs> it's not a new thing for me and i've done a bunch of sports uh photo books i'd say probably upwards of 20 or 25 um i just finished the 100 year history of the green bay packers with mark beach which just came out last week and that's another really fun one to look at if you love football photography. Wow. I got to work with John Beaver and find a lot of amazing, like unearthed pictures that existed in museums and, you know, historical societies. So that was a fun one too. Damn, that's exciting. It must be interesting. This kind of like, uh, cause I know talking to you, you're a big Yankees fan. Um, but it must be interesting yeah. kind of jumping into all these different avenues of like the green Bay Packers. And you must learn a lot jumping from book to book and on these projects. Right. You do. I mean, you know, my favorite one that I've done in the last couple of years, I got to work with um, on a Muhammad Ali book the year he died with his widow, Lonnie Ali. And she handed over to me all of the like personal photography that he had in his collection and that she had. Wow. And it was such an honor to work on it because I'm obviously a huge fan of Ali and that came out in, I guess, 2016 and through um, Simon and & Schuster. And that was a really, really fun one, too, because she wrote the foreword, and I was really involved with the family, and, and some of those pictures had never been seen. So just as a photo geek and a sports photo geek, which I think you and I both are, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that, that was one of my favorites to do because it was, you know, I just every day I would see something new that I'd never seen before, and it was fun to kind of bring that to light. Mm. That's exciting. And, and it must be like uh, really fun to like 
uh, kind of dig because as a photo editor you're looking at thousands of images every year and you know you can go to sources like Getty um, but as a photo editor are you constantly trying to find stuff that like people haven't published or like this new stuff that's out there like like you said you're you're working with the Muhammad Ali family and I'm sure they have an archive of photos that maybe someone hadn't seen before is it as a photo editor is it like a constant search just to try and find new stuff from the present the past and things like that yeah, especially, you know, in my career straddling um, film and digital, like a lot of the great stuff that exists in archives hasn't been scanned digitally. So, mm. you know, you're looking through old negatives that are in boxes and they're dusty or they're slides, you know, E6, Chrome, and, you know, and occasionally you'll find something you're like, oh my God, this is, you know, this is something that needs to be um, digitized because it's just so incredible. So yeah, I love, I love stuff like that. I really do. It kind of is, one of the my favorite parts about being a photo editor. Yeah, it's just like you, you learn so much about history and the stuff that's come come before. Because there's like like you said, there's so much images out there that haven't been scanned. So that's, that's really interesting. Um, totally. I guess to go back a little bit, I was kind of curious, like where you grew up and like how you kind of got into photography initially. I guess. Yeah. So um, I grew. I was born in Chicago and to a big family that loved sports, and so. Early on, you know, I was introduced to, to, I was sort of um, forced to, you know, watch sports all the time and go to sporting events, and it was just sort of non-negotiable that I was going to be a sports fan um, in my family. And we moved to um, Connecticut when I was around 10, and um, I think that's where I first started to get interested in photography. You know, I think my parents had a camera that I stole and would, you know, just, it was a film, Minolta 35 millimeter, and I would just take the sort of cliched pictures of your friends in middle school. Yeah. But, you know, I remember my, one of my art teachers in seventh grade had, like, taught us photography and taught us how to develop film. And he turned the janitor's closet into a dark room. Um, and so that was where I first learned, you know, sort of the art of photography and printmaking mm -hmm. and, and how to um, develop film. And I was, hooked completely like I just the janitor hated me because I would just spend every waking minute in his janitor's closet and it locked from the inside and he just was always mad at me because you know he was just trying to get his mops or whatever but yeah. I um I loved it and I thought this is what I want to do if there's you know any chance I could do this for a living and that's pretty young to kind of yeah. have that sense to know what you want to do um but I did, and I knew, and I was, you know, I started ripping out pages of Sports Illustrated and putting them on my walls um, in my bedroom, and kind of, you know, for me, it was like looking at the, the photographer's name even more than the actual athletes, and kind of trying to imagine who these people were that were getting to take these pictures. I just thought it was the coolest. Damn, that's really interesting. You're basically photo editing from the jump, this, like, cutting out photos right. and kind of finding <laughs> the stuff you like. Um, yeah. yeah. I know, um, talking to Brad, you spent a lot of, uh, some years working at SI. Was that kind of always your goal to kind of work at Sports Illustrated, you think? Like you kind of just mentioned you're, you're, yeah. re you're reading it as a kid. So that was always just kind of the goal. Yeah, it was. And I, that was my dream was to work at SI. And I, you know, um, through high school shot for the newspaper and did all the sports. And, you know, again, I think probably many of us, um, the same kind of path, but, you know, worked at the yearbook and just always wanted to shoot all the sports. I knew that I wanted to go to uh, Syracuse, to Newhouse. And so I got in there mm. and um, that's when I really found, like I met my people, you know, I felt like I met all these other people that 
were like-minded and I met Jed Jacobson and all these lifelong friends that I, you know, um, got to shoot next to there and uh, fight over, you know, credentials for the daily orange and shoot, you know, on the national level, like basketball and, and lacrosse. And they had these amazing teams with great athletes that, uh, you know, you were actually getting pictures of that meant something. And it was really, for me, it was, it was so fun, but I, I started to, at that point, write letters to Sports Illustrated and call them and just, you know, see if they had any internships or anything at all that I could possibly do. Um, and I did that for like a year and a half. I think when I was a junior, I started and I just kept writing them letters and sending them pictures that I had published. And it was like this campaign that I had yeah. to try to, you know, get my foot in the door there. And they never responded to any anything um which in retrospect should have been a huge sign for me to kind of go away quietly but i ended up um getting heinz klutmeyer on the phone he was the director of photography at the time and wow. and begging him to just like let me come in and you know meet with him and he said all right listen i'll let you come in for a half an hour and you can bring your portfolio and we can sit down and look at your portfolio, but then you have to promise to stop calling me and sending me stuff. And I was like, deal, that's perfect. And so I, you know, I like borrowed my mom's like fancy suit and went into the city and, you know, met with him on a Sunday and I walked in and everybody was wearing like baseball hats and jeans. And I was just like, this is amazing. And I sat there for a couple hours because he was really busy and everyone was watching baseball and, you know, laughing and shouting and, editing pictures and there were photographers walking around and I thought this is like heaven, you know, and I really knew at that point just sitting there waiting to talk to Heinz that this is where I wanted to be. So when I walked in, he was great. I mean, he tore my portfolio apart and was like, this is bad. You should get this out of there. What is this? And, you know, and I thought I maybe wasn't going to get any job and he had no job. There was no, he he was really clear. He's like, there's no internship. Mm. Um, And somehow I just, I like said, listen, I'll do anything. Like I'll file pictures. I'll, you know, work down in the archive. I'll get coffee for anyone. I'll just do anything. And I think he just took pity on me. It was like, all right, you can stay for the summer. Wow. Um, And so he, they let me, you know, hang out and I just did all of those things. Like I literally was like a gopher. Damn. um, It sounds like you had like no fear. Like you're just like no fear. Cause a lot of people, that's their hardest thing is just like reaching out and knocking on doors for you back then. You just, you're this really ambitious, ambitious with no fear pretty much. Or dumb. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I, you know, I feel like there's definitely a lesson in not saying, you know, taking no for an answer. I, I don't know that I would be that brave today. I think I just really knew that, um, it was sort of my one shot and I, you know, I'd had a couple shooting internships at, at newspapers. I was a lab tech for a newspaper. I had no business kind of being, um, on that level, but you know, I really was willing to start at the bottom and just kind of work my off. I ended up staying there for 14 years, um, working, um, you know, assistant photo editor and then kind of working my way up and just loving it. Like every time I met one of the photographers that I sort of, you know, memorized the name of, I would freak out because you're just like, wow, you're Damien Stromeyer, you're Simon Broody. And, you know, it's so cool to then get to work with these guys and then go to events and edit their pictures. And it was just really, you know, it was my dream job. I loved, I loved every minute of being there. And it was sort of the golden era, right? There was a ton of money, a ton of staff photographers and Steve Fine was the, you know, director of photography for all those years. And, um, I made great friends there and I, and I, I loved every minute. 
Did did you ever feel like like uh like intimidated like being a woman in like sports photography cuz it seems like it's pretty male dominated like in terms of like sports photographers maybe I'm wrong but like what what was your kind of view coming up as like a young photographer in this business I guess It's such a, an amazing question Alex because that you know it I always had um a, a few a handful of women that I looked up to or across the way to, you know, Elsa Garrison of Getty and, um, you know, a bunch of people that, you know, now I'm still friends with, but you'd, you'd be at an event and you'd be, there'd be like a sea of men and you, you know, I always would pick out, there's Kathy Willens from AP or I would see, you know, Ann Ryan from USA Today. There'd be one in the, in the mass and you would kind of look up to those women. Um, and they were always really, nice to to me and to to the younger women coming up but i will say this a, a lot of the men were great too like all all of them i mean i had i had really wonderful mentors mm. that helped me along the way and that um i was really lucky to have um those people that that helped me and and i think you know there's always stories you're going to you know there was always some challenges and i think a lot of times, you know, you'd be in the press room and there'd be no women's bathroom and you'd be like, hmm, okay, well, I guess I have to go in the men's bathroom. And yeah. you just, you figure it yeah. out, right? And mm-hmm. you just, you kind of, you know, just work hard to to keep being able to be there and, and to be accepted. And, um, you know, again, it definitely, it was challenging, but I, you know, a bunch of us actually um, a couple of years ago formed a group called Women in Sports Photography, oh, wow. which um, wow. is basically an in, in, uh, Instagram feed, but we get together, I'd say once or twice a year. And it's, you know, Jessica Carroll from MLB and um, Jen Potheiser from the NBA and uh, Marguerite Schrapp Lucarelli from SI and then Elsa and Ari Goldman Hecht from the Yankees, you know, a bunch of the women that are sort of in my generation. Yep. And we, we kind yeah. of created it because we wanted to showcase that there were women in sports photography and all these different types of jobs, not just shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted those younger people when, you know, to, that are coming up to, to see that this exists and like, hey, here we are and reach out to us and we can help you. And um, so it's been a really fun uh, group to be a part of. No, that's exciting. And even looking at the Players' Tribune, I think one of your, I believe, staff photographers, Taylor uh, Bacham, I, I mean, she's been yeah. hands down. In terms of, like, sports portraiture, I think she's one of the best, like, just photographers in general right now doing it. So it's just kind of exciting to see, you know. I agree. And it was so fun to, and over the past couple of years, see her blossom into that. I mean, she's taught me a lot about, um, you know, the young people teaching the older generation how to, how to shoot now and these days and the different equipment and all of it, it goes both ways. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she, she's, one to watch and you should definitely try to get her on your podcast yeah definitely i talked to her i'm gonna line it up because yeah i really love her work um but i guess when you first kind of got to si like when you're you're you kind of were this interning or whatever you're just kind of hanging around once you kind of finished school uh and you kind of got a job there what were kind of some of your first responsibilities what kind of stuff were you working on i guess yeah um so i started off um, really like helping other photo editors. And at that time they had um, different photo editors for different sports. So there was like a football guy and a golf guy and, you know, they were kind of broken up by sport. Um, and so I would like refile and I spent a lot of time in the photo archive of the time life building down in the, you know, basement. And, you know, I think 
for me, that was super exciting. So you get to look at negatives of Mickey Mantle by John Dominus and, you know, Howard Bingham stuff and all these older photographers that you've seen through the years and um, beautiful, beautiful stuff from Life Magazine. That was really fun. And But, yeah, I, I, I kind of came in, and baseball is the sport that I love the most and know the most, so mm-hmm. um, became the uh, worked my way up to be the baseball photo editor, which I was for many, many years. And, and I remember one of the first cool things I got to do was when Cal Ripken broke that record um, in 1995, I guess it would have been, um, I got to be in the warehouse in right field, the B&O warehouse with Chuck Solomon, where they put the um, banners that showed wow. how many games Cal, it was like two, one, three, one. And then the, the guy would put the banner over the window and we got to shoot it from that perspective. And I remember being like, this is super cool. But yeah. just even walking, you know, on any kind of stadium with a credential at that point was super cool for me and going to those world series and helping the photographers get positions and, you know, edit their film or bring their film back and and on a plane generally um, to edit it back in New York was super fun. And I, you know, it was an honor for me to do it. And these are the best in my mind. They were the best in the world shooting, um, you know, again, at that top level. So to see the pictures and edit the pictures was kind of easy because, you you know, you're not getting a lot of bad stuff at that point. You're just sort of picking out the good ones. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, do you remember the first World Series you, you got to work at? So there was a strike in 94, and they didn't have a World Series. Is that right? And then so, yeah, yeah. it would have been 95 and then 96. It was right in that Yankee mm-hmm. run um, when Derek Jeter first came through. And so he and I kind of started together. Like, I we met um, because as I was doing a story on him and he was, you know, he and I were standing there as we we're discussing the story in the dugout and he was like, this is amazing. You know, and I'm like, I know it's amazing. I can't, I can't believe I'm here. And he's like, I can't believe I'm here. You know, he's such a, he had such a, he he still is just such a humble and great guy. Um, that, that was a, that was where our friendship started, um, back in the, you know, mid nineties. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to, to kind of watch him. Um, through the years, we would see each other, and and you know, we his career is amazing. Like I, I still look back at it um, in awe. But yeah, so through the years, obviously the Yankees were huge during those sort of mid to late '90s, and then yeah, um, yeah, through the early 2000s, I was still doing it a bit, and uh, yeah, the World Series. You can't get better than I mean, it's so cool, and all the All Star games and stuff. Those are super fun, and you get to know some of the. Players and people that you see every you know and it's such a tight-knit group it's really a small world the sports photography world and such a good one and such good people mm-hmm. um and a lot of them i know you've had on the podcast but they're really supportive and 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 helpful and fun and you go out after and get beers with everybody and yeah. it's just like a, a wonderful camaraderie yeah definitely and like when you're working as a photo editor, like what did you enjoy? What do you enjoy about it? Like even those SI days, did you still have like the itch to be like a shooting photographer? Did you get to shoot at all, or when did kind of photo editing kind of take over for you? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I'm a way better photo editor, and I think I realized that early on. Um, I can shoot sports, and I like it, but. Certainly at the, that level, um, I, I didn't belong, you know, next to Al Tielman's and mm-hmm. John Beaver. You know, it's basically, um, for me, I felt that I was, I could still be like a collaborative help with the pictures and making good sports pictures as an editor, 
And um, I still feel that. I still feel like the photo editor is a, is a huge part of um, the process, right? Especially when it comes to the feature stuff and that when you're doing the portraiture, like you mentioned, Taylor. But for the, the later years in my SI career, I did a lot of feature stuff yep. and did a lot of the covers and enforcement of the year and stuff. And so for that, it's like, okay, you know, you're, you're pairing up the right photographer with the, the athlete, which, with the subject. And your job is to kind of be... Um, like a, you're setting up a blind date almost. You're saying, who would get along with this person and how can I make this the best situation and what are some ideas creatively we can do together or come up with that can, can make a good picture. So I love that part. And I, and I you know, I think that um, I encourage that as a career too for, for people who are, you know, looking to go into photography but they're not exactly sure what they want to do. It's such a fun job and I've loved doing it. I've loved every part of it. Mm. And, like, for people listening, like, if they're kind of interested in getting into photo editing, like, what skills, like, nowadays do you think are important if you kind of want to um, go down that path and be a fo photo editor? What kind of advice would you give to, you know, younger people looking into get into a role like that, you think? Also, great question. You know, I think looking at pictures every day and, and getting out there and networking and meeting photographers and meeting art directors and people, you know, depending on what sort of area you want to go into, but just trying to meet those right people. There's so many great workshops these days, and especially for young, young people coming up. Um, you know, I was privileged enough to work at the Eddie Adams workshop as a producer for a couple of years. I mean, that's, I think, one of the greatest things that exists today, but you can meet everyone, and there's editors and photographers and inspirational speakers, and it's just such a wonderful thing, and there's a lot of those around the world that you can find, whether it's in a short course or something through MPPA or, I mean, there's a couple sports, there's a sports shooter academy, there's a couple sports related ones. So I think, um, I feel like that's always good. So looking at photos every day, whether it's on Instagram or whatever, following and, and interacting with those people and then getting out there and, and meet, actually meeting people with, like in person, I think is super important. Yeah, for sure. And like looking at some of the work you guys do at Players Tribune now, it looks like uh, like video production is a major component of what you do. Um, do you think the role is like a photo editor nowadays? You you really need to have the knowledge of both like still photography as well as video production now. Well, so when I started, um, I helped start TPT in 2014 with Derek and Jamie Messler. They were it was a blank slate, like right. It was a sort of a first of its kind platform that didn't exist prior. So. They said, you know, you, we need your help figuring out how it's going to look and what it's going to look like and aesthetically and what the pictures are going to look like. So, you know, I did what any smart person would do. I hired people way more talented than I am, and I got Nate Gordon to come in, and he's the director of photography, and he's another person you should get on the show. Oh, yeah, he's um, great. And, yeah, so I think that, you know, he is – now uh, he started as the director of photography there and he's now the um, like head of design and visual team, creative team. So it, you do need to have that video um, knowledge as an editor and also as a shooter, I think somewhat, but I'm apprehensive to say, because I do get asked this a lot with young people, I don't think you can be the best at everything, right? So yeah. as a photographer, you don't necessarily need to be like an Oscar winning videographer. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. think that you should be able to know how to do video and you're certainly going to get asked to do video for social and it would be great if you could do produce um, a video 
simultaneously with, you know, when you're shooting pictures and maybe that's something you want to do solely, but you're not going to be the best at everything. And so I do encourage some sort of specialization in some capacity. So, you know, be able to wear many hats and, and uh, you know, be able to put those hats on, but really try to focus on what you love to do the most because I do think that when you shoot what moves you and what medium that you love the most, that, that comes through in that content, I, I believe. And I think in any genre of photography, you know, you should shoot what you love and what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely I agree, because I think for myself, I kind of fell into that trap where everyone in the conversation, you'd read about it, like, in PDN or, like, whatever photography blog, and they're like, oh, you got to do video, especially when, like, DSLRs came out and you could shoot video. Um, but like you yeah. said, the thing I realized is, like, there's only so many hours in the day, and like you said, you right. you, you can't be an expert in everything. Like, you got to have no a little bit, but, yeah, I totally agree, because, like, if you try to be yeah. the best at everything, it just becomes watered down and it doesn't really stick out from the pack, you know? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think those skills are, and it's funny because you see a lot of these young people coming out of college today, they already know how to do everything. Like yep. they know how to video edit, they know everything. And so it isn't like it used to be where you came out and had sort of one skill. You know, a lot of these young people today are multimedia producers and they can do everything a little bit, you know, and, and that's impressive to me. Very impressive. Yeah. And, you know, looking back at your time at SI, uh, is there like any shoots that kind of stick out in mind, like particularly memorable, maybe just for the experience or maybe because they were a challenge to produce, like what kind of sticks out in your yeah. mind from the projects that you got to work on? Cause I know you got to work on a lot. Well, that's also a good question. And my most fun things I did were going to the Olympics because, you get to go to, I went to Nagano, Japan, and Sydney, and a couple others, and I think you get to see the, these parts of the world that you would never have been able to afford in your early 20s, you know, to go to. Yeah. Um, and even though you never leave, especially working for Steve Fine, you never left the media center. You were sort of hunkered down over a light table and, mm-hmm. and uh, computers the entire time, and I think that's probably still the case for, for a lot of people, yep. but it's still an experience and still something I will always be so grateful for. Um, one of the most challenging ones we had, Walter Yost wanted to shoot the last game of Tiger Stadium in Detroit. Yep. So it would have been like late, maybe 1999, I would guess. And so he had me hire him a pilot and we rented a helicopter to fly over the stadium and this was pre 9-11 so I didn't really clear it with anyone and so <laughs> so he he got up there and I was home watching the game and I remember watching the umpire the home plate umpire called timeout and was like looking up and this was on tv holy shit and I was like oh this isn't good <laughs> and you know and you know Walter I think you've had Walter on this show right you yeah on the podcast. yep he is such a character, right? So he convinced the pilot to just get as low as possible. Like, get, <laughs> keep going, keep going, keep going. And they literally were um, right above the, the field, and the dust was flying up, and it, they literally stopped the game because of Walter. You know, you see him, the, the camera pans up, and you see Walter hanging out the side with, like, a kind of short lens. Like, I don't know what he was thinking. But anyway, he got a great shot. I mean, it was amazing. But I came in the next day. And I had the FBI on my phone 
voicemail, you know, asking me to call back for a terrorist screening center. And, like, it was one of these things where I was like, holy cow, like, I'm in a little bit of trouble. Because my name was on it, and I'm the one who, you know, <laughs> rented everything. But, and it was just, you know, Walter and I laugh about it now. But I think I was on a no-fly list for a while. I holy think I was, shit. You know, a little bit <laughs> in trouble. Yeah. Hey, that's, that was not a that's the name. That's the name. That's the name of the game. Like, to get a good photo sometimes, you just, like, don't ask permission. You apologize later, you know? Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you Especially gotta... Walter. Like, that's his mantra. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, that, you know, one thing I was kind of curious about, when you're covering sports, it, it's it's almost like news in a sense where, like, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Like, and you guys are putting out issues every week. Like, how do you prepare for, like, uh, for instance, the World Series that just happened, it's it's the Nationals versus Houston. You don't know who's going to win, but then you know at the end of the thing, there's a deadline and you got to put something out. Are you guys basically like kind of right. planning both stories at the same time? Like if one team wins or the others, like how do you kind of manage that? Because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. It's not like a normal magazine where like they could do a profile right. on some doctor and it's very, they, you just execute it and you know what the end piece is going to be pretty much. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm so I'm not at SI anymore, but I still have a lot of friends there. And, and what they would do and what we used to do is they, you especially if it's a game seven and it's close to deadline for the mm-hmm. print, um, which, of course, now is less and less. They, they come out with more, less print editions every year yep. compared to um, when I was there. Mm-hmm. But they put everything online and they're, they're up to date with that and their social media and their website and so forth. But, um, yeah, we would sometimes lay out two different things and then kind of flip the switch on whoever won. Wow. We'd, we'd sort of have to fill those blanks at the last minute. We would publish on Monday night. Damn. So we worked through the weekends, and we're always in the office of really late Sunday and Sunday night. Um, but, again, it was like, you know, I was in my early 20s, and I thought this was amazing, and I, you know, didn't really have a social life, and it was just <laughs> I lived at the office and traveled all around and and that's when you want to do that that's when you want to put your head down and you know mm-hmm. when you're starting out your career and just kind of work really hard but yeah a lot of times you'd be doing something and then news would happen and you'd have to change gears and and it's news and then, you know and that's what i i say to a lot of young um people is that sports is still news i mean it's entertainment right yeah but it is still yeah. news and i consider sports photography and sports photojournalism still journalism i do um in terms of when you're covering a game, that's that's happening and that's news, and you have to it's your duty to kind of capture the moment and get that out to the world ASAP and let them know how it happened as a storyteller. Yeah, definitely. And um, I guess like with Players Tribune, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but like how did that all come together? Obviously, I think what Derek Jeter is he he owns it or he's just kind of investor in it. Um, but yeah, he started it. Um, and so he's the founder of it, um, along with, uh, Jamie Messler. And he came up with the idea the year he was going to retire. So he wanted to figure out what was next for him as a player. Mm -hmm. And it was important to him to do something. I think, um, he never really trusted the traditional media. So he wanted to create a platform that gave athletes a place to go to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why he, um, came up with it with Jamie. And I think that's, you know, they, I was thrilled to be a part of it because it was such a new concept, you know, and Twitter had just come out and you started to see a shift away from um, certain types of media, right? And you, you kind of saw that first person 
storytelling happening a little bit more and more. So for me, it was like, okay, well, so visually, how are we going to help this along? And, you know, I got to hire Jen Jacobson and Walter Yost and all these people that um, Nate and I wanted to, to work with. We hired Taylor Bachman right away. We got Guillermo Hernandez in there and Sam Maller. And, and these guys, you know, were, they're amazing. And they're, they helped shape the sort of visual strategy. Um, and it's like a very clean look, I think, in the way it looks. And it's timeless a bit, mm-hmm. especially some of the portraits and the, and the color schemes that we chose, black and white and gray. And they're, you know, at the time we were competing with Bleacher Report and Grantland and Deadspin. And it was a lot of uh, busy colors and banner ads and stuff. So for us, it was like, let's figure out a way to make this site look clean and classy. And so that's what we did. And it still looks like that, by the way. I really think that they've done a great job maintaining that, especially because they've added so many different types of media, podcasts and video and so forth. Um, but yeah, it's been exciting to be a part of it. It's five years old. We just hit our five-year wow. anniversary. And uh, yeah, and it's a fun place. It's a fun place. And we've got to work with a lot of photographers that Nate and I worked with at SI, right? So, you know, again, it's a small world and you shouldn't burn any bridges because it's been fun to reach back out to these people and hire them, um, you know, back and say, hey, let's work together again. Yeah, what's like, what's been the most exciting thing for you? Kind of like you said, it's it's uh, you, it's digital media. It's kind of a, a new frontier. Um, is there a big difference in the way that you kind of photo it, photo edit for Players Tribune versus maybe like a, like SI yeah. or things like that? Or what what's the yeah. ap- approach going into Players Tribune? I guess. Yeah, good question. I mean, so a lot of it is well, two things. So my favorite book ever in the history of books is Rare Air by Walter Yost. And it came out in maybe 1993, I think. And he basically spent the whole year with Michael Jordan. And it was, he was a fly on the wall for that season with the Bulls. And he was on the plane. He was like, you know, waking up with him in hotels, like and getting him brushing his teeth. It was like this amazing uh, work of documentary photography yeah. that Walter did. So when I, I wanted to kind of use that as a basis, like initially, um, when athletes would come and they say, Hey, I want to tell my story, but you know, come to my house and we'll just take some pictures. I sort of wanted that photojournalism, um, approach with the, with the pictures to kind of be that fly on the wall. Cause I knew that we would need to kind of gain that trust with the subjects and the athletes. And we'd have to make sure that they were comfortable with having photographers and writers around. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so initially it was like, okay, let's, let's hire those people that are good at that and, and knowing full on that we're, we're never going to publish a picture without them approving it. So it's a weird thing. Okay. So it's different than straight photojournalism because we're shooting it. They're shooting it like photojournalists, but then it's kind of like we're set, we're showing the pictures to the athlete and saying, are these cool? Like, can we run these? And if there's one they don't like, we're, we're taking it out. We're not showing that. Wow. So we're getting everything approved by the athlete. And that was something that was important to Derek so nothing, no story or, or video piece or anything ever goes out without approval by the athlete. So it's a little weird, right? And we had to kind of shift our, you know, thinking there and go, okay, so it's a collaborative effort. It's not straight journalism. I mean, uh, my friend Rich Deitch, who it works with The Athletic now, but he called the players should be in a hybrid of journalism, storytelling, and PR, but a really high-end version of that. And I love that description because it is sort of that, right? It's it's a different 
platform that didn't exist before, and now it does. And now you see LeBron James doing his version of it, and there's mm-hmm. more com- competition out there. But um, I think it's a it's a it's kind of just a different way to to tell stories. But we had to approach it photographically in in a different way because of that. Interesting. Yeah, because that's like the interesting thing about Players Tribune is you guys get, um, like you said, it's a collaboration with the players and you, you get these really kind of like players might announce their retirement with you guys and they'll write something or right. you do the really interesting um, series Letter to My Younger Self and even um, one, right. one I just checked out, uh, the Mental Health series, which is just athletes talking about um, different challenges and things like that. Uh, how is it you think you guys are able to like maintain these relationships and get these really like um, kind of like uh, cutting edge and deep stories with these guys that are kind of uh, kind of airing out their whole career and struggles they've dealt with. Um, yeah. How is it you think you guys have been able to maintain and kind of get athletes to come to you continually and kind of um, give you the breaking story, I guess. That's a great question too. And I, you know, I think initially it was nobody had ever heard of it. Mm-hmm. And so we were calling mm-hmm. up, it was like four of us, you know, working, we started like in, you know, Derek's kitchen and then we moved to a Starbucks and then we were at WeWork and then we were, you know, in this big office, which they are now, but you know, it was us calling up um, in favors and being like, Hey, and I would call Brennan Shanahan and be like, can you do this thing called letter to my younger self? And it was our first one. And he was like, uh, okay, I don't know what it is, but I'll do it. And, and, and then, you know, within like a couple months, word started to spread among players to other players and athletes. And then they started approaching us, but it was, a slow going year that first year, because again, we were brand new and nobody really knew what we were. Um, right now, I think they're at over 3000 athletes have contributed. Wow. So it's grown a lot, but you get somebody like Kobe Bryant to write Dear Basketball in 2015, which was like a, a poem that he wrote announcing his retirement. And then it, it opens up a whole new set of doors because people see that and they're like, Oh, I want to do something like that. So, you know, I think that it became pretty easy. You know, we, we did coast on Derek's game for a bit, but then it became easier when you got Kevin Durant and all these people involved, um, that really sort of opened those doors for us. Mm. No, it's interesting. It just kind of builds and builds and people kind of slowly start to gain respect and trust. Trust is like the main thing with you guys. It sounds like the athletes can can trust you and how how they're going to be profiled or whatnot. Yeah, Um, Yeah, because they'll they'll come in and talk to our editors and they'll say stuff that they've never said to anyone and they'll open up about abuse and, you know, concussions or race issues and all this stuff that you know, they, they know it's not going to see the light of day unless it's crafted into a, you know, a final product that they do feel they want to put out there. So there is a lot of trust and and we've tackled a lot of social issues, important stuff that, you know, I'm proud to say that we've given a voice to, to a lot of those athletes to talk about those things. Yeah, definitely. I really respect it. And, you know, the one thing I'm always curious about as like a freelance photographer myself is like, uh, how are stories kind of born? How do they kind of come to be within like Players Tribune and things like that? Like, is it is this kind of is it an open door? Like, is everyone just kind of pitching ideas? Um, do you guys take right. do you guys take submissions from photographers or how how do the stories yeah. kind of come to be? I guess for sure. I mean, I love when photographers reach out and they're like, "Hey, I have this idea, and we, you know, can I work on this?" I I think spec work is still 
um, alive and well. And I think you have to just take that chance. You're not going to hear back from everybody, but it doesn't hurt, right, to just pitch ideas to a lot of people and do it in a nice and respectful way and try to get it to the right person. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I think uh, photographers have some of the best relationships with athletes and subjects in, in all walks of life because I think that, um, you know, as a photographer, you're kind of, I don't know, the, the, you can speak more to this than I can, but I think people look at you guys as, you know, you're not threatening, you're not there to, like, break a story, you're there to, like, take some awesome pictures, and then you're going to, you know, send those pictures maybe to the subject, and they, they love you guys, right? Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a, a, sometimes a, more of a trust between photographer and subject. Like Kevin Durant, you know, he gave us the – um, announcement that he was leaving OKC and going to Golden State because of Jed Jacobson. And he was really good friends with Jed. And so we, there are many, many ways into a story through um, photographers. And I love any story idea, even if it's crazy. Sometimes it'll, a story idea will morph into something else or you sit around and talk about it and maybe make it better. You know, I think, or, or you put it on the back burner and then you remember it mm-hmm. um, and say, hey, let's, let's try to revive that or let's see what this person can do and, you know, give them a chance. Yeah, definitely. Um, because like with you guys, I think, what do you guys have? Like three staff photographers now? It's uh, Taylor, uh, Guillermo, and I think what, Sam? Um, in, in, yeah. In-house, yeah. and they're shooting a lot. Yeah. Uh, when do you guys decide, what, when do you guys decide when to use a freelancer? How does that kind of come in the mix with you guys being that? I mean, it's geographic. Yep. At, at this point, it's really geographic. You know, the days are gone where you can send a photographer all around the country or world um, with an unlimited budget. So you're a lot of times, like Nate has this amazing, vast network of photographers. He knows every photographer in every city. He knows every PR guy to get a credential if you need it. So, you know, if we need someone in um, South Dakota, you know, Nate will know somebody there. And, and, and so a lot of it is geographic. and trying to figure out, you know, financially, what's the easiest way to do this. Mm. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. And, uh, you know, I was really excited to talk to you. I was looking at your Instagram. You, you had a chance to uh, photograph uh, President Obama in the Oval Office, uh, I think back in 2016. Uh, I was curious kind of like what the scenario was with yeah. that and like how your kind of experience was. Well, you know, I mean, that was amazing, and that was one of the highlights of my career, for sure, um, that Derek got to meet Obama, and he did, like, an interview with him, and um, he got to bring a photographer, so he requested me, which was really nice, and so somehow my, you know, former uh, FBI terrorist screening was you know, allowed, <laughs> and I Detroit thing, and they allowed me into the White House, and again, you know, awesome, amazing, Obama was so lovely and gracious and charismatic and took a group photo with everybody, which was really lovely, but for me, it was like, I'm hanging out with Pete Souza, right, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, and, and like, just talking to Pete prior to, like, what, you know, what are the settings, and like, what's the light like in the Lincoln room, and he was amazing, like, he, as he is, right, and, and, you know, he's so gracious to, to but he's also, by the way, a huge baseball fan. So yeah, yep. he wanted to talk about the Red Sox with me, you know, which I'm happy to do. But like, you know, he, he, for me, one of the highlights was sitting next to him shooting President Obama and Derek and just watching Pete work. And I don't know, that, that's such a geek moment, but it's true. Yeah, it must have been pretty surreal. Not many people get to meet the president in the Oval Office. So that's a pretty, pretty special moment. Yeah. Um, and I know, I guess like you've been working in this business for a while, um, what's kind of kept you interested? What's kind of got you excited about photography or the business these days? Um, 
I love, well, I love Instagram. I love the young people that are coming out and shooting in different ways. And I'm such a fan of so many of the young people. And I love um, that part of it. I, I, you know, it's interesting to me to be able to, in some capacity, send that elevator back down and help in a very small way, whether it's just like advice or having a conversation or looking at a portfolio with some of these younger people. Yeah. That's what keeps me excited about it is that, is that they're, are still incredibly talented young people coming up that want to do this, what we do. And it, it just makes me really happy to, to be a part of that, you know, and, and, and it's such a wonderful industry for that, right? Because everybody is, I have found, and there's always one or two bad apples, but everybody's gracious with their time and, and, and advice and so forth and helping, right? And then mm-hmm. I, you know, you look mm-hmm. at, Art Driver's Instagram, and it's like a masterclass on how to light, right? He doesn't have to do that. No. You know, he's not getting paid to do that. It, so I love that aspect of what we do, and I think it's a really – I don't think every industry has that, that, you know, that the internship, by the way, is still alive and well, I, I think, and assisting is still something you can do yeah. um, to kind of learn the craft. I think uh, I just – I'm really proud to be a part of it. That sounds so corny, but I really am. No, for sure. Cause it's like, I've had this conversation with a lot of photographers where the photography industry is really competitive. A lot of people want to do it. And for the most part, you're not going to make a lot of money being a photographer. You know, there's a cu- no. cu- couple of small no. cases here and there, but you really, you really have to love it. And let like be a part of the community. Yeah. And I think that's like you said, like that's the reason I think art Schreiber and guys like that and people like you are, uh, yeah. willing to give back because you love it that much, you know? Right. Um, totally, for sure. And like what you do, by the way, this podcast is an incredible uh, um, contribution to that because you're uh, introducing people to others that didn't, that, you know, a lot of times I've seen these names, but I've never heard them speak or I don't, I'm not going to meet them. Yeah. But if you listen to what you're doing here, it's like I just sat down and had a beer with them. Like, I feel like I had a conversation with them. <laughs> I said to my husband, who's um, an actor, I said, this podcast is like our version of comedians in cars getting coffee. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, I, I think it's great what you're doing. I yeah. really do. Yeah, it's just fun for me because, like, uh, like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've been in this business like 12 years, and I'm, st- it, it changes every year, yeah. and I'm constantly, yeah. uh, I feel as lost now as I did when I started. So it's just interesting yeah. to hear everyone's like uh, how they deal with the ups and downs, and beyond that, I'm just like, like we said, like I'm just like a photo geek, and I want to hear this, the backstories of what people have done. You know, that's what's fun about it. Totally. Um, You've gotten some good people on this too. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I guess my last question to wrap up, like uh, uh, any kind of goals for yourself, anything like dream projects you're hoping to work on? I know you've covered a lot of sports. Is there anything else down the pipeline that's been kind of on the bucket list or anything like that? Would, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a mom of four kids now, so wow. my travel days over to like go to all the Super Bowls and all that stuff. I'm sort of a homebody these days, and yeah. I'm happy that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I still, like I said, I still love going to portfolio reviews and helping. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, judging the American Photo Contest in, uh, in September, which is cool. Entries come in March. I love stuff like that that I can just sort of still be a part of things yeah. and help uh, when I can. And I love. Um, getting together with the women in sports photography gals and yeah yeah, so that's sort of uh, you know kind of keeping my hand in it 
you know, where I can and, and, uh, trying to keep current. It's hard because you guys are all these young people coming up are super talented. And a lot of times you're like, what's happening? But it, but it, like I said, it goes two ways. It goes both ways. So yep. I learn from them and, and they, you know, learn from me. So it's good. Definitely. Well, Maureen, I uh, can't thank you enough. I know we've been going back and forth for a long time. So it's like definitely a real pleasure talking to you. A lot of respect for what you guys have been doing over at Players Tribune and everything. Um, so I can't thank you enough. Thanks, Alex. Really appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. And keep doing what you're doing. Definitely appreciate it. And I guess we can just cut it there. So there you have it. That was the Maureen Cavanaugh interview. Uh, I just want to thank Maureen for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to her about her experience working within uh, photography, everything she's done at SI, and all the really interesting stuff they're doing over at the Players Tribune these days. So definitely can't thank her enough. Uh, definitely go check out um, the Players Tribune. It's theplayerstribune.com. They have lots of really uh, interesting articles, great photography, and this kind of unique stuff they cover over there. So definitely go check that out, as well as Maureen's Instagram at photo underscore uh, M.O. Kavanaugh. Uh, I'll link it in the description, but you can uh, follow uh, some of the work that Maureen's shooting, stuff she's working on. Uh, so definitely go give her a follow. And as always, I'll be having weekly episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.